engine running. Good evening. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. It is 5.09 on the nose and we've got weather moving into the Atlanta area on the north side. We've got to spend a little bit of time on a blurb that was in the AJC's political insider column. I want to read this to you. This is from... um, this is from the, the political insider. Stacey Abrams' newly launched bus tour was designed to promote this week's start of early voting. At the first stop of the tour at a church in Forsyth, not Forsyth County, Forsyth, Georgia, that's the mid-state, put campaign, the campaign strategy on full display. As more than 100 Abrams supporters packed the pews, they were handed signs, banners, and fans plastered with her name. Campaign aides spread out to gather their addresses and contact information. Many were encouraged to volunteer. Then came Abrams, who entered the congregation to a rousing introduction accompanied by the church's organ. She implored the supporters to lift the volume on voter participation, stressing polls had showed the race in a statistical tie. I have faith in all of you, but you'll. But I need you all to work. We've got to volunteer every single day to turn out every single person who should be in this room, but you know is not here. This is not a fight of miles. This is a fight of inches. As soon as she finished, her campaign volunteers deployed to the doors with thick stacks of paper at the ready. Each vote early flyer featured a smiling picture of Abrams and an address of the nearest polling place. Notice that this happened at a church. Can you imagine the press reaction if Brian Kemp was doing this sort of thing in churches around the state? Just more, I, I think, double standards on display. Uh, you got Stacey Abrams going on national television, making up counties in Georgia that don't exist, Glasgow County, attacking Brian Kemp, uh, saying he's suppressing the black vote. He's trying to stop black voters from voting. Meanwhile, Stacey Abrams' campaign staffers are organizing protests to shut down white candidates. Again, if, if you weren't here for, for the, the last segment, I want to play this audio for you. Those are Stacey Abrams supporters led by people who are on her campaign staff shouting down Stacey Evans, who is running against her. Stacey Evans is white and the Stacey Abrams campaign staff began organizing the crowd to shout trust black women so that Stacey Evans could not be heard. In fact, I'm told Elizabeth Warren herself, this happened at the Netroots Nation Convention in Atlanta last July, had to come out on stage and shush the crowd and get Stacey Evans off the stage as Abrams supporters were intimidating her, um, trying to force her to drop out of the race, as if only Stacey Abrams was allowed to to campaign. Y'all, we're seeing the weaponization of race in this campaign, and it is not Brian Kemp. It is not the Republicans doing it. It is the Democrats, and I can assure you uh, that they will be emboldened to do it further unless voters respond accordingly, which I think is going to happen. We should not allow them to weaponize uh, race as they have been doing Uh, scaring black voters and trying to intimidate white, Hispanic, and Asian voters in the state and trying to to harass the Kemp campaign. We do not need the antifization of campaigns in Georgia. By the way, this just popped in my head while, uh, while Doug was talking, completely unrelated to traffic, you should know, but 
This whole trust black women thing, shouting down Stacey Evans, uh, trying to intimidate white voters, this very much reminds me of the whole Kavanaugh situation, that we've got to believe all women, Uh, that Brett Kavanaugh must be guilty because some woman said so. What happened to that woman, by the way? She's fallen off the radar since since this happened. Uh, So we got to believe all women, uh, but not the women who defend Brett Kavanaugh, only the women who would would, uh, damn him with faint praise or or say he was guilty of something. Uh, This is identity politics at at its most visceral and violent form, uh, short of actual physically beating people up. The idea that you must be shut out of society, you must be driven out of the town square you must be taken off tv and radio and your opinion is not valid unless you agree with this mob that's what we saw with brad kavanaugh believe all women never mind that there were no witnesses never mind that all the people who were named as witnesses said it didn't happen never mind all the facts we had to believe all women here you got to trust trust black women uh white women can't run for governor in georgia Uh, White men can't run for governor in Georgia. It's racist if anyone dares to stand up to Stacey Abrams. Uh, Weaponizing race is it's not just happening in far out left wing states like California and Oregon and New York. It's happening here in Georgia, trying to to weaponize race, to intimidate people, to not show up at the polls. And the only way you can stop it is if you do go vote and you do vote for Kemp, for Republicans, for those who aren't engaging in the weaponization of race, uh, make your voice heard through that way to say this is unacceptable. Now, there's another thing, you know, they, they say this too only happens in far left states. The city of Atlanta has settled with Kelvin Cochran, $1.2 million settlement. $1.2 million settlement. Kelvin Cochran is the fire chief who Kasim Reed fired for writing a book for his Sunday school class called Who Told You You Were Naked? You know what he had the audacity to do in this? I've got a copy. of. I've read the book. He quoted scripture. He quoted scripture. The scripture he happened to quote was the scripture that calls homosexuality a sin. And he wrote the book and was fire chief for more than a year after that book was published. He says that the ethics office at the city of Atlanta gave him permission to write the book in the settlement. The federal judge said it didn't matter that he had free speech rights. He may be an employee, but he wrote the book in his off time for a Sunday school class. Didn't matter whether he had permission or not. He had the right to write the book and the book didn't affect his job. There's no evidence it affected his job, but the city of Atlanta fired him for not just being a practicing Christian, but for writing a book expressing his faith and affirming the inerrancy of scripture, even related to homosexuality. You'll recall, no doubt, that it was after a year that this book had been out that a retiring lesbian fire captain in the fire department complained and said he made her feel uncomfortable or some such. There was no evidence he actually did, but this was the complaint to get it all started, and the mayor of Atlanta fired him and claimed to be justified in firing him. And you know whose side Stacey Abrams took? She didn't take the fire chief side. And now she's out campaigning saying we don't need Religious Freedom Restoration Act in Georgia. We don't need our religious freedom protected. Well, who's going to protect Kelvin Cochran? The city settled. They didn't want to admit they did anything wrong, but they decided it would cost them far more to continue the litigation than to settle for $1.2 million dollars. Now, a jury would have taken it up for him, but he never should have had to go through this in the process. He should have never been fired by Atlanta uh, 
for writing a book that accurately reflects the Christian faith, a book that he wrote for his Sunday school class. And again, Abrams and her supporters are on the wrong side of that. They're out there now denying that there's a problem in Georgia. A fire chief was fired for being a Christian, and the Democrats in Georgia say that's no big deal. It's no problem. Everybody move on. There's nothing to see here. And oh, by the way, if you vote for the white person, you're a racist. That's the Democratic message in Georgia. The madness of the Democratic Party you are seeing on TV every night in major cities around the country, it's happening here in Georgia, too. We are not immune from this. It's happening. It just doesn't get covered the way it gets covered elsewhere. But it's happening. And the only way to respond to it, the only vaccine, is to vote. Y'all, with all the recent news about online security breaches, it's hard not to worry about where our data goes. Making an online purchase or simply accessing your email could put your private information at risk. You're being tracked online by social media sites, marketing companies, your mobile provider, your internet provider. Not only can they record your browsing history, they can often sell it to other companies who want to profit from your information. And you know this is true. You, you go on Facebook and you look at something and next thing you know, all of a sudden you see these ads. Or as a friend of mine did, you order a cheese plate on an airliner with your credit card. And next thing you know, on Facebook, all your ads are for that cheese company. Privacy is at stake these days. When I'm at home, I don't worry about it. But when I'm traveling more and more, I use ExpressVPN to ensure my privacy. ExpressVPN has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background on your computer, phone, and tablet. Turning on ExpressVPN only takes a click, and it secures and makes your internet browsing anonymous by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. Protecting yourself with ExpressVPN costs less than $7 a month. So protect your online activity today. Find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash E-R-I-C-K for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash Eric to learn more. It's 26 after the hour. You know, I'm not a big fan of PolitiFact. Uh, PolitiFact, I think, has a, a liberal bias. Most of the reporters who report for PolitiFact are liberal. Uh, occasionally, they get things right. But uh, they have labeled as mostly false a claim by Martha McSally and the Republicans. Martha McSally and the Republicans say that uh, Kristen Cinema protested troops in a pink tutu and denigrated their service. I want to read for you what PolitiFact says is mostly false. In at least one instance of an anti-war protest in Arizona, Kristen Sinema wore what looks like a pink tutu. She marched with Code Pink. Now, anyone who knows anything about the Code Pink protesters knows that every time they protest, they are protesting and attacking soldiers. They criticize people who are defending our country routinely. But even though Chris, Martha McSally is right on this, even though they admit that Christian cinema protested in a pink tutu designed to look like a female anatomy part, they say it was mostly false, that it was mostly false. Um, how can you continue to... Liberals rely on PolitiFact 
But they always tend to take the liberal worldview on these things, and yet they're admitting she actually did protest in a pink tutu against troops. It's 40 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. If you are headed up 575, uh, you're going to start getting into rain. The rain has moved off of 75 till you get north of Adairsville. Uh, the Roswell and Alpharetta area will be getting some rain here in a little bit. There are some light showers inside the perimeter, very hit or miss tiny tiny showers but there's more rain the further north you go as the cold front begins moving through there's a lot of rain in alabama uh, and it is moving into our area slowly but surely i want to deviate from everything else uh, and i want to talk about the proposed constitutional amendments that are on the ballot this year before I get there, though, I want to take a call from Jay calling from Atlanta. Welcome. Hey. Hey, Eric. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? Doing all right. Hey, I just want to go on the same lines of that um, using racism as a weapon. A friend of mine stopped in at a Starbucks and was harassed for wearing a Kemp hat. Well, first of all, the the big problem is that your friend went to a Starbucks and got garbage coffee. But I mean, b- besides that, <laughs> yeah, he, it, it, it is. I occasionally have bad. to drink that drink as well. Um, but yeah, 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 this is having more and more in- intolerance within the city. I can't tell you the number of times I have been uh, confronted, yelled at, or or otherwise um, seen and in. Had not nice gestures made my way in the last year in Atlanta, right? And it's a twofold thing because not only did they swear at him and called him a racist and basically supporting a, a racist supremacist, uh, a white racist supremacist, uh, they also uh, threatened his life, and no one in the store did anything about it. Of course not, because um, most of them, I'm sure, agree. Yeah, this is happening more and more. It is not just happening in uh, San Francisco and Portland, Oregon, and New York City. It's happening in Atlanta. I have heard so many stories like this, Jay, from people who they were wearing a Make America Great Again hat, or they were wearing Brian Kemp shirt, or uh, yeah, I had a buddy who was wearing a uh, something that, that had Rush Limbaugh's signature on it. I, I guess he had gotten it off the EIB store or something, and mm-hmm. had people um, the make terrible statements to them it is that y'all I, I have been yelled at at the atlanta airport while i was peeing i i kid you not uh our, our security guy alex who is just brilliant uh told me that from here on you just got to go into a stall and close the door so nobody knows you're there because it has happened more than once i was actually a couple of years ago uh, went in the chick-fil-a what is that windy windy hill uh, up there by the brave stadium uh rts reform theological seminary is behind uh, it, it uh, what is it? Terrell Mill Road, and there's that Chick Fil A there on Winnie Hill, and I stopped there on the way to class, and so he had a guy follow me into the restroom to yell at me. Ah, I tell you what, um, nonetheless, okay, I will take more of your phone calls. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven five zero one eight hundred WSB Talk. I am probably going to vote no on all of the amendments. There is one that I may vote yes for. It's called Marcy's Law. You've probably seen the ad campaign for it. I, I still may vote note for it. Uh, I don't mean to offend. I've got a lot of friends who support it. 
Uh, let me read you that one. This is Amendment 4 on the Constitution list. Uh, Shall the Constitution of Georgia be amended so as to provide certain rights to victims against whom a crime has allegedly been perpetrated and allow victims to assert such rights? That's already Georgia law. I don't know that we need a constitutional amendment uh, to do what's already in Georgia law. Um, and I just, I'm always winning when I have hesitation, always refrain from amending a constitutional document, but that when if I was going to vote yes for any of them, that would be the one that I vote yes for, uh, is to provide rights for victims of crime in the judicial process. But again, we already have that law in Georgia. It's already law. Uh, you don't need this constitutional amendment. There has been a push in states to amend constitutions to get this done. That wave has hit Georgia. Uh, there is significant money behind it. Uh, one rich person in particular believe it was a family member who was a victim of crime because they weren't notified when a defendant had been out of jail and the defendant, I think, wound up killing them. Uh, and then that's kind of what this does is essentially if you have someone, if someone is in jail for committing a crime against you, you have the right to be notified that that person is getting out of jail or up for a parole hearing or what have you. And, and that's fair, but that's already Georgia law. What the advocates of this legis- of this constitutional amendment say is that it's kind of a hodgepodge right now in each judicial circuit, and this would more uniformly um, dictate it. I think you could do it under Georgia law. This is not my hill to die on. If you want to support this, it is well-intentioned. Um, most of my friends are supporting Amendment 4 on the ballot. That's Marcy's Law. Provide rights for victims of crime in the judicial process. That is the only one that I think I would vote yes for. The others, I just see no need. Uh, the First Amendment on the ballot will create an outdoor stewardship trust fund to protect water quality, wildlife habitat, and parks. And what it would do is it wouldn't raise taxes. What it would do is take 80% of the existing sales taxes collect by, collected by sporting goods stores and allocate them into this fund. I, why? Why? I, you're essentially going to deprive municipalities of sales tax revenue to create an outdoor stewardship trust fund that's over time going to become a slush fund for someone. I just, I, there's no need for that. The second one, which I just think is ridiculous, is a statewide business court to lower costs, enhance efficiency, and promote predictable judicial outcomes. That's what they say. So we've got uh, we got local courts, municipal courts in Georgia. We've got state courts in Georgia. We've got superior courts in Georgia. We've got the Court of Appeals. We've got the Supreme Court. Hey, let's add one more bureaucratic layer in the state, a business court. We don't need that. The superior courts in Georgia are just fine. Uh, we don't need that. The, the next one is encouraging the conservation, sustainability, and long, longevity of Georgia's working forest through tax subclassifications and grants. Again, it wouldn't raise taxes. It would just, uh, yeah, it would reallocate grants. and so, uh, There's just no need. And then authorize fair allocation of sales tax proceeds to counties and city school districts. If we're not already doing it, well, we got problems to begin with. We shouldn't have to amend the Constitution for this. There's, I'm just not voting yes for any of these amendments. Maybe Amendment 4, the, the victim's advocacy one, but the others just absolutely not. We certainly do not need a whole new court system in the state of Georgia. That's Amendment 2. It's just nonsensical. I'm sure the Chamber of Commerce would love it, but it's just more bureaucracy. I don't see the need for any of these amendments. Yeah. 
It's Eric Erickson here. I want to go straight to the phones. Jeff from Woodstock. Uh, I want you to chime in on Amendment 4. Mark, I appreciate it. Hey, listen. Um, on this Marcy's Law, the way that when you see it on the commercial, it's a, it's a hands-down go with it. you got you got to go yes. But once you start doing the research and you start digging into a little bit more, you realize Yes, we already do have a law in the books, and if we make an amendment, it's going to tie the prosecutors down to where if there's any snag at all in notifying either the victim, a family member who wants to be there, whether they're in town, out of pocket, work, what have you, they won't be able to make it to the hearing, so it postpone that next hearing, and it becomes a backlog, and the next thing you know, we're jammed up even more so than what we already are. Yeah, I'm glad you said this, Jeff, uh, because this is something several other police officers have, have raised that uh, they worry about that. And a number of prosecutors have as well. This has been very popular with some prosecutors. But yeah, I just I'm voting no on all the amendments, in, including this this uh, Marcy's law, not because I don't think it's a good idea, but we already have the state law in effect. I don't think we need to amend the Constitution for this. Uh, when we come back, we got to shift gears. The Democrats are melting down nationwide in the Senate races. Eight after the hour, I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Now, we need to move into what is happening on the Senate races. Uh, before I get there, though, the President of the United States has raised $100 million for his 2020 campaign. That's significant because neither George Bush nor Barack Obama had raised more than four to five million dollars uh, at this period in their first term for their reelection. They went on a spending binge or a fundraising binge in after the midterms. The president has been raising a ton of money. And most of that money, interestingly enough, has not come from the president doing major fundraisers. It's people just giving him money. If you'll recall, in 2016, the president, by and large, discouraged people from giving him money. And now he is willing to accept it. And people have been flooding him with money that they didn't give him in 2016. Now, the rule used to be, I was a campaign consultant for a number of years, and the rule used to be whoever spent the most money tended to win. That's not the case now. Uh, Democrats, by the way, are running away with fundraising. There are some numbers here. Between July and September, Democrats in 28 competitive House races raised over three times as much money as the Republican challengers. Which reminds me, do you notice that the thing that Democrats aren't screaming about right now? Citizens United. The fundraising decision. Is, is that not funny? Citizens United. The Democrats are not screaming about Citizens United. They're not screaming about uh, large dollar donors. They're not screaming about Sheldon Adelson. They're not screaming about Steve Wynn. They're not screaming about all the millionaires and billionaires who give Republicans money because they're out raising them. Suddenly it's a non-issue. Much like the Senate was perfectly legitimate when Democrats had a 60-seat majority, but now suddenly it's illegitimate because they don't. Just like they were screaming about gerrymandering, and now they're not because they stand to win it, even with the gerrymandering. 
And what the big issue here is not the Democrats raising these issues. It's the media. The media is not echoing the complaints. In the past, it was a huge feedback loop. If the Democrats thought that something was illegitimate, suddenly, oh my goodness, it was the worst atrocity ever, according to the media. But now, not so bad. Now they're okay. Uh, They are starting, by the way, to realize that they have problems with the Senate, and the problems for the Democrats are growing. Arizona and Nevada, they thought they could win. Dean Heller is now up seven points in Nevada. Martha McSally is now up eight points in Arizona. She was supposed to be toast. Kristen Sinema is a terrible candidate in Arizona. Uh, Every single day, more and more comes out uh, from her. In fact, let let me play you this. This is audio the Washington Free Beacon put together of uh, Kristen Sinema. This is her campaign commercial and then her words about Arizona when she's out of state. I'm overwhelmed at how lucky I am to be born in the best state in the country. My state, Arizona, is clearly the meth lab of democracy. (laughs) Arizonans are strong and independent. We have the desert in our blood. People would watch what was happening in Arizona and be like, Dan, those people are crazy. And so we're all going to have slightly different opinions as we go forward. And I want to talk to you about some of the things that I think that you can do to stop your state from becoming Arizona. And I know Arizonans deserve a senator who just solves problems. Arizona is the state of the five C's. So cattle, copper, citrus, cotton, and climate. But I would add a sixth C. It's called crazy. I'm Kirsten Cinema, and I approve this message. Yeah, those are her words against her. She's a terrible candidate, and the Democrats are really livid that this is coming out now. They thought that the media would be able to suppress it for them, but nope. Haven't been able to. Even the media can't can't turn down a story like this. Uh, Cinema is not the only Democrat having problems. Heidi Heitzkamp, she is the uh, Democrat in North Dakota, and she's already toast. Democrats tr- tried to play up that oh the Republicans that they, they nominated the wrong guy, this Kramer guy, he's not going to be able to beat her. He is eating her lunch. Now the latest scandal against Heidi Heitkamp, and you should know she was already down before she voted against Kavanaugh. That has driven her further down the poll. She was down nine points. She's now down 12 points. This will probably put her down to 15 points. Heidi Heitkamp ran an advertisement in North Dakota in response to the Brett Kavanaugh decision to vote against him. And it featured survivors of sexual assault. There's a problem. Several of the women didn't give their permission to be in the commercial. They did not want to be outed as survivors of sexual assault. They they, they didn't want to be exposed as survivors of sexual assault. And there are other women who say they weren't actually victims of sexual assault. And they're in the ad. And they're asking why they're in the ad. Heitkamp came out today. She went on a conservative talk station, actually, in North Dakota and, and owned up to it and said it's completely her fault. Uh, she, she Her campaign staff should have never done it. Those who did it will be fired. And she is very, very sorry that it happened. I mean, very, I mean, completely owned up to it. 
uh, which is good for her. She should be applauded for owning up to it. She, In fact, she said, uh, lawyers tell you not to own up to this sort of stuff because of lawsuits, but this is completely my campaign's fault. We completely screwed up, and uh, I'm, I'm not going to keep my mouth shut to try to avoid a lawsuit because I, I screwed up, my campaign screwed up, and i got to own it. And that is really refreshing. And, of course, she can be refreshing like that because she she's already lost. The Democrats have written off North Dakota. Uh, they have. And it's not the only one now that's causing the problems. Texas is causing the Democrats problems. I want to play you this audio from MSNBC. Uh, this is actually from yesterday. Uh, and it is the Democrats are starting to realize that they built up Beto O'Rourke way more than they should have. And it's becoming a problem for them because um, the he's, he's not actually living up to the hype. He can't beat Ted Cruz and Democrats are pouring money. And I, I played this audio yesterday. This is Ted Cruz's pollster, Chris Wilson, a dear friend of mine. And he's explaining the problem of all places. He's on MSNBC, allowing him MSNBC, allowing Ted Cruz's pollster to come on and say not nice things about Beto O'Rourke. This would not have happened a month ago, but now even people at MSNBC are starting to realize they really screwed up by pushing O'Rourke so hard against Ted Cruz and how they've they've screwed up pushing him. Well, hang on a second. Listen to this audio first. Let's talk about races. I've got to ask you about Chris. This is uh, Senator Ted Cruz, Texas, man you work for. Beto O'Rourke is just blowing the roof off with small dollar donations. $38 million in the last three months alone. He has spent $15 million already on TV ads against Ted Cruz. But the latest New York Times poll shows him uh, trailing Cruz by eight points. It does. Quinnipiac has me- him down now, and what he's, he's he achieved for that money is he is now the most unpopular statewide official in the, or statewide figure in the, in Texas. Is he that is, is that what's going on here? Yeah, it is. He is absolutely because uh, he has sort of nationalized this figure. He has taken stands that do a great job raising money from a national liberal base, but all he's done is just cannibalize. Would have gone to Heidi Heitkamp or Claire McCaskill or other Democrats that could have saved their seats that are probably now going to go down to defeat while Rourke is on this vanity mission that is just uh, that is just basically flushing money down the toilet. It is a vanity mission, and now we know for sure it is. He's raised $30 million more million, and he's signaling he will not share the money with the Democrats. So whoever the candidate is running against uh, Dean Heller in Nevada, I can't even remember the woman's name, she'll get none of this money. Kristen Sinema in Arizona, none of the money. Bill Nelson in Florida, none of the money. Oh, Bill Nelson in Florida, by the way, uh, he's trying to fundraise off the hurricane. He's sending people a donation link, and the donation link is actually to a Democratic PAC claiming that it will give money for hurricane relief, but that money is actually going to left-wing causes. It's going to voter registration, and it's going to help Democratic candidates. It's not actually going to help put people back in their homes or provide them food or clothing or housing during this time. Bill Nelson trying to send people to Democratic fundraising campaign arms instead of actually sending them to legitimate aid organizations. That's hurting him, and O'Rourke is hogging all the cash in Texas, and he's going to lose. Y'all, with all the recent news about online security breaches, it's hard not to worry about where our data goes. Making an online purchase or simply accessing your email could put your private information at risk. You're being tracked online by social media sites, marketing companies, your mobile provider, your internet provider. Not only can they record your browsing history, they can often sell it to other companies who want to profit from your information. And you know this is true. You, You go on Facebook and you look at something and next thing you know, all of a sudden you see these ads. Or as a friend of mine did, you order a 
cheese plate on an airliner with your credit card. And next thing you know, on Facebook, all your ads are for that cheese company. Privacy is at stake these days. And when I'm at home, I don't worry about it. But when I'm traveling more and more, I use ExpressVPN to ensure my privacy. ExpressVPN has easy to use apps that run seamlessly in the background on your computer, phone, and tablet. Turning on ExpressVPN only takes a click and it secures and makes your internet browsing anonymous by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. Protecting yourself with ExpressVPN costs less than $7 a month. So protect your online activity today. Find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S, vpn.com slash E-R-I-C-K for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash Eric to learn more. Welcome back. It is 626. Now, to the phones, to the phones we go. Let's see. Do I have to? Yes, I have time. Uh, David, in Atlanta, you are next. Welcome. Hi, Eric. Thanks for the call. Um, I just want to share an observation with you that I think that me as a listener, you as a host, is a little bit of a microcosm of people in the, the broad spectrum of Republicans and conservatives in that we don't always agree. Sometimes you irritate me, and I'm sure I'd irritate you. Um, it's like a marriage. You didn't, yeah. You didn't <laughs> support Trump initially, and I respected that and understood why I did. But if you look at it today, there's this coalescence going on, this centering of people in that broad spectrum of Republicans, and conservatives who are starting to think the same way. And that doesn't mean you became a Trumper or it doesn't mean I changed that much. But I think people are centering on what's important. And I think the fuel for this is the craziness that's going on yeah. on the left. David, I think you're absolutely right. It's a great observation. I can't tell you the number of friends. In fact, I got a friend of mine who was diehard. I mean, I I didn't support the president in 2016, and this guy was like, burn it all down if he gets elected. Um, He's a blight on America. And he's like, man, I'm voting for this guy in 2020. I'm writing him a check. These people are out to get me and my family and ruin us. And I hear that from people all the time. The anger on the left is really driving people to the president, much more so than the president's actions sometimes tend to to drive people away. I mean, like today, the, the, the president of the United States, no president should ever refer to anyone as a horse face, uh, particularly the woman he cheated on his wife with. But I'm still probably going to vote for him in 2020 because what's the alternative? People who are even worse. is 39 after the hour welcome back um we had a listener call in and uh, made a good point actually I, i guess it was somebody on twitter and then i just echoed the point uh david called in in the last segment talking about how a lot of republicans and conservatives people right of center who weren't fans of the president uh, are moving in the president's direction myself included and then there were people who kind of held their nose to vote for him. They weren't fans of him. And now more and more, they're thinking, you know what? I, I'm, I'm guess I'm with this guy. And a lot of it has to do with the Antifa black lives matters, the, the, the democratic protesters, the harassment of people who dare to disagree, the treatment of Christians in the country. And 
we didn't mention, but I do think it's worth mentioning the media as well. I do not think any president of the United States should ever refer to anyone as horse-faced. I just don't. I think the president should have better manners than that. But it is really rich to see the media that was okay saying all of those things about Kanye West last week, being upset with the president saying this today. On CNN, one commentator referred to Kanye West as the token uh, I don't even know if I can say that one on the air. It's it's not that N word. It's the other one, uh, and yet they're they're uh, they, they were perfectly okay with that on CNN, but they're horrified by the president using that word, uh, using that phrase "horseface" to talk about Stormy Daniels today. Uh, the media has constantly or or take last week while I was gone while I was out in Dallas preaching last week, the president did a rally in Ohio where he praised Robert E. Lee's military skills. And the media blew that up. I mean, made a huge, huge issue out of it. NBC News went wall-to-wall in its coverage of the president praising Robert E. Lee. What they left out is that the reason he was praising Robert E. Lee, and by the way, it is completely not in dispute that Robert E. Lee was a brilliant general. I mean, even people who hate Robert E. Lee agree Robert E. Lee was a brilliant general, and that's what the president said. Robert E. Lee was a brilliant military strategist and general, and yet... Ulysses S. Grant, who was a drunk, still beat him. That was that was his whole point. He built up Robert E. Lee to praise Ulysses S. Grant. And the media, NBC News in particular, went wall to wall in their coverage of savaging the president for praising Robert E. Lee, never pointing out that the reason he did it was to then praise Grant as even better and that Lincoln should have stuck with him. Now, what was so interesting is when they finally realized, it's like, oh, I guess he's making a Kavanaugh statement that he stuck by Brett Kavanaugh, that drunk too. Um, No, I'm not kidding. There were Huffington Post reporters, among others, who were making that claim. You cannot get fair treatment from the American press corps these days. There are plenty of times where I vehemently disagree with things the president does. And I say so on this radio program, and it makes some of you really mad. Makes some of you really mad. There are some of you listening, right? And I know you're listening right now, and you can't abide any criticism of the president. Any criticism of the president in your mind is, is treachery. But I criticize George W. Bush as well. What's so amazing to me is that you can't trust the media and so many people to actually criticize both sides and praise both sides. It's all one or the other. The media is just as bad as those who who, who are always Trump. I think the real problem here, as much as the, the now never Trump people who have manifested themselves now, Republicans who are cheering on the Democrats because they hate the president so much. Or the the always Trump, who he can do whatever he wants, and it's grand and glorious. I, I kind of like where I am. It's not the easy position to be in, but to say, I think this is good, and I think this is bad. And I think I'm voting for the president in 2020, but I really wish he wouldn't have done tariffs or called Stormy Daniels horse face or what have you. More honest position than everything he does is good or everything he does is bad. And some people, we have lost the ability as a people to nuance. I, this The whole thing is is unhinged and the American media is so in the tank with the Democrats and the resistance 
you can't get a fair hearing. You can't get honesty from the press these days. And it's unfortunate because we really should have a free and honest press that gives us real, um, real truth. And they don't want to. I mean, look at the Kavanaugh situation. The number of reporters who went in the tank for the Democrats pushing the smears against Brett Kavanaugh. Look at So Jane Mayer from The New Yorker has now come out and said that she pushed the Ramirez, Deborah Ramirez story, because if, if, if the Christine Blasey Ford remark story was true, she wanted to prove a pattern. She ran the story not because she believed it was true, but because she wanted to show a pattern of conduct if Ford's story was true, not if Ramirez's story was true. She wasn't concerned about the truth of Ramirez's story. They were, I mean, all of them in the tank to destroy Brett Kavanaugh because they wanted to stop him from getting on the Supreme Court. And now you got many members of the media. And by the way, NBC really has gotten to be the worst, I think. Uh, it used to be MSNBC, but MSNBC has, is slowly polluting and corrupting NBC more than it ever has. Um, it's just, it's amazing to watch NBC reporters now saying, oh, I think the sentence illegitimate. I mean, this has to affect their reporting. Or you had the guy at uh, the Washington Post over the weekend, the congressional reporter who b- blamed Republicans for the attempted assassination of Gabrielle Giffords in Arizona. And it, it, there was no political motivation in that attempted political assassination. Even the Washington Post has, has said it was BS to say so. And yet their own congressional reporter was blaming conservatives and National Review, the conservative publication for it. How has that affected his coverage of conservatives? The media does not give anyone a fair hearing these days. And that is really unfortunate. But hey, that's what I'm here for. It is 55 after the hour. Now, let's... By the way, can we not fall back? I mean, it is my wife's favorite day of the year. I realize that because you get get an extra hour of sleep. But can we not? It is our... Look outside your window right now. It is 6.56 p.m. And it's getting dark. Your headlights are on. Now, just a few months ago, your headlights did not have to be on right now because it was plenty bright. Can we, can we not do fall back? I mean, I would rather get up in the mornings and it's still a little dark out and watch the sun come up and, and enjoy a sunrise than this. I mean, this is going to be in just a few weeks. This is going to be 5.56 p.m. Why do we have to do this? I think the 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 daylight savings time and standard time laws are archaic. Uh, I would rather stay on daylight saving time instead of going back to standard time so we can have an evening and actually enjoy our evening a little bit. But absolutely not. Just absolutely just garbage people to have this nonsense in the evenings. It makes me very perturbed that we have to do fallback in a few weeks. I don't want to, but I can't say this out loud because my wife would get in trouble. I would get in trouble with my wife. We're out of time.